I was a little struck by the fact that uh, Dane suggested to just give it the greeting card to whoever you think you might be able to trust. And then he, right after that, he said something about the seniors getting a little rowdy at the underground <laughs> cafe. I'm talking, what did they not tell me about this place? <laughs> There's some fun going on someplace, right? I'm just going to move this right here if you don't mind. This is a, a prop that I'm going to use in just a few minutes, but um, I didn't put anything on it because I don't want you to be focusing on that yet. If you want to open your Bibles, uh, to open uh, them to Judges chapter 6. I want to give uh, the, the theme of my message today is that we can raise our hope. Jesus told us through the Apostle Paul, now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. Love is the main part of the train. Love is the engine that pulls the train. By your love, they will know that you're my disciples. Faith is what brings us into the family and even gets us started on the, the road to knowing Christ and honoring Him. And hope, I like to think of hope as being between those two because all of our life is built on our hope in Jesus Christ. All of our life is built on our hope that Whatever he said in his holy word is true and will come to pass. And for those of us who believe in him, that is not a, a question. That's a reality. That is a reality that we have in Christ. And so most of us in our hope walk, uh, most of us have this sense in our culture today that if we have high expectations, we can achieve high things or, or great things. And if we have low expectations, uh, we'll probably prove ourselves right. I've watched sports teams over the years. And sports teams that seem to be connected and seem to have a sense that we can do this, they practice hard, they play hard, they encourage one another, they are just unified. You sense it. If it's a baseball team, you see it in batting practice. They, they swing hard and they feel hard. They catch the things that are supposed to be. And that's the way it is with a church. When you walk in a church, if you visited many churches in your, in your short careers, most of you are short careers, but when you walk into a church, you sense that sense of hope. You will feel it. It's there. And at the same time, you will feel the, the, the sense of despair or something's not quite right. Paul said, or the Lord Jesus said this uh, to his disciples when they were asking him about some of the things he did and who could cast out demons and do the things that he did. And he said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, the things that we think that we want to do for him, the things that he places in our heart are possible if our hope is placed in Him, that He will start it and He will see us through. Our hope is not placed on the calendar because God sometimes takes a long time to bring to fruition things that I thought should have happened sooner. And sometimes it takes a long time for me to realize He doesn't intend to allow that to happen. 
He doesn't work on a calendar. He works on his plan and, and his purposes. And so I just want to look at this passage in Judges. There's a lot of verses in here. It starts at Judges chapter 6, verse 1, and it ends uh, out through Judges chapter 9. But I'm just going to kind of focus on 6, 7, and 8, and I'm going to ask you to read these again after you leave here today because I'm not going to be able to, to exegete every one. But let me just start by reading Judges 6, 1 through 3. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the word Lord translated there is Yahweh. And the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. And then in verse 6 it says, So Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of of Israel cried out to the Lord. The persecution by the Amalekites and the Amorites was so bad that what they would do, or the Midianites, they would go into the hills and dig caves and and find places to hide and, and do things where they could feel secure. And the Midianites and the Amalekites would come in and they would take all the crop, they would take all the animals, they would just not leave anything for Israel for seven years. And we're not too far from when Joshua led them into the land and they were conquering. And every place that Joshua's foot went and every place that Israel went, they were able to defeat the enemies. And yet here they were. They were hiding from the Amalekites and the Midianites because they were afraid. And they had lost their hope in Christ, in God. And they were even worshiping Baal the God of the Midianites. Israel, it says in verse 6, was brought very low. But then it says in verse 7 that they called upon the Lord. They, they cried when push comes to shove in the book of Judas. Judas, <laughs> Judas, no, Judges. When push comes to shove in the book of Judges, they sin, they repent, And God rescues. That's the cycle that goes on in the book of Judges. So finally, after seven years, duh, the light bulb comes on and they they repent of their sins or they act like they are. It says in verse 10 uh, or in verse 7, And it came about that when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I am the one who rescued you. I am the one who brought you out of Egypt. I am the one, and I look around this room, and I only have to do is look in the mirror, and I said, he says to me, I am the one that brought you out of sin. I am the one who blessed you with a wonderful wife. I am the one that gave you four wonderful children. I am the one who gave you business. I am the one who prepared you to come to Christ Community Church. How could I not be excited about that? Every one of us has a story like that. And he says in verse 10, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but but you have not obeyed me. And then the angel of the Lord came and sat. And I just want to show you one little thing here if I can find mine. This is a part of building our hope. It's a part of understanding 
where we stand with God and what we want to do with God. So I'm just going to, I hope you can see it in the back. If you can't, you can move up. Great job, okay? So I'm just going to put, this is right here now. And this is right here, the past. And it's got sand that comes up and makes a little mountain here and all that kind of stuff. And this is right here, It's kind of weird, but it's got the sand from the top of this hourglass, which I have so skillfully drawn, to the bottom. This is the future. And this is where we are. We operate in this little narrow zone here that has a the sands of time falling through our lives. And this is the place where we can influence some of the things that are going on, but the majority of the things we can do is trust in Christ because we know Him, and we know that He causes all things to work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose, to those who love Him. And down here, this is our past. This is where we can't control anything, right? This is history. And we can be like some in our culture today who want to change history, who want to make a difference, but the sands that have fallen here are always going to be there. The reality is this is not where Christ wants us to live. This is where the devil wants us to live. You believe in the devil, right? I, I think I got that right. So as the sand trickles through here and it comes down here, this is gone. I can no longer control that, even on my best day. I can grieve. I can regret. I can wish I had done things differently, but I can't go back and make that right. What I can do is say, God... Help me learn the lessons of the past. Help me be better than what I was then. Help me be the man that you created me to be. You see, everyone in this room right here is created in the image of God. That fact makes me chuckle. Because God, I look at myself and I say, God has a sense of humor. We were created in the image of God. In the future, God causes all things to work together for good. My hope is not built on this. My hope is built on whatever he's going to do, whatever he wants to do, cut it loose, Lord. Let it happen. Let me be prepared. I pray that I would go to a place like Christ Community Church and not embarrass him. I pray that I would go to Christ Community Church and he would say, I have this for you to do and I would do it.
I pray that I would go to Christ Community Church and we as a church would be better together. Not because we were bad, but because we're not finished yet. He's still working on us. There's still sand to come through this little aperture here. Make sense? What we usually expect is what we get. Sometimes we set our expectations and somebody says to us, wow, that's a terrible expectation. You can't do that. So we retrench and lower our expectations. We should never do that. If God gives us a plan, it's probably because he was planting the seed up here. He was letting it come in down here so that we could take it in and do something and be better and build our hope on him. And finances and relationships and all those things are going to work together for good. Sometimes we don't understand how that's going to happen. So Gideon, let me get back to Gideon. The Midianites came, they stole everything, they took everything, and Gideon was such a, a wonderful warrior. His first po- the point, first point I make is what you expect is usually what you get. Some people expect to lose. And he was, uh, in verse 11, we see that the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Oprah which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, which was Gideon's daddy. And his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. This is really cowardice painted in a picture. Because the, the winepress was up on a, an area where they would gather all the grapes from the grape harvest, and they dug this deep vat, and they would get in there and they would walk around, this is where they got purple, purple feet syndrome, and they would squash the grapes, and then they would have wine to drink. And it was down below the level of the ground, so Gideon could be down there working, beating the wheat to, to turn it into flour, and it normally happened on the threshing floor where the oxen would carry the millstone around, and they would crush the wheat and make flour out of it. It was so oppressive by the Midianites that Gideon was hiding in the wine vat, beating it out by hand. He was so afraid. The angel comes and says to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. You see, God looked at Gideon, and he didn't see this part of the hourglass. God looked at Gideon, and he already sees in you in me, in this place, in this church, what's going to happen up here. And he is trying to bless us with hope, fill us with encouragement, and say we can do the things that God has called us to. So God spoke to Gideon. And I would say this just as an aside. When God says something about the church, his Already, he's already given us the commandment about the church, what we're supposed to do, right? He said, I will build my church, he will, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So God's going to build his church, Christ's community church, and our call is to just hang on, right? 
I like that expression. We're just going to hang on. Whatever God wants to do, go for it, God. We're going to try to submit to him and be the best people created in his image with the highest hopes. Okay? I like that. Who said that? Keep it up, man. Way to go, Gary. So that's what we know. We know that... We don't have low hopes. We know that we are not a victim. We know that we don't have to be a victim. We know that we can rise above whatever we think is going on in our church, and we can hear the angels say, the Lord is with you, O valiant Christ community church. How's that sound? I think that sounds wonderful. I get excited thinking about that. This is... I know you guys haven't voted, but this is my church now. (laughs) Not because I own it or I'm the pastor or anything like that, because just like you, I'm here, and this is where God has put me. And and you can go look at at, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. God puts people in a church that he wants in that church. So if you think you're here by accident, wrong. If you're here, it's because God orchestrated a divine appointment for you to be here. And that's what he did with Anita and me. You know, we could sit down in South Texas in the heat, 105 degrees, and say, why would we go to Illinois? But we get here and we know that God was right. 72 degrees. (laughs) We hope it's built on Christ, and so when he calls us, we go to do what he wants us to do. And Look in verse 14, chapter 6, verse 14. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And Gideon makes some excuse about being the youngest and the smallest and from the least family in Manasseh, but the Lord said in verse 16, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one. Surely he will be with us, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Unless we give the gates, the key to the gates to people of hell. We're God's people. Our hope is built on him. And when he's finished with us, he'll tell us. He's not finished with us yet, is he? No. We have grandkids. They're going to have grandkids. We're going to leave a legacy, right? I know some of you have cats and dogs. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the kids. I'm worried about my kids who are all walking with the Lord at a different level. I'm worried about my grandkids. And we don't know yet, all of them. I'm worried about your grandkids. Where are your kids? Are your kids someplace in church this morning? Are your grandkids being led to church? My hope is that they are. My hope is that they will be. They're not to be left out. They're like these little boys that walk out here down under, and they're holding the door, and they're looking. Everybody make it? Oh. I love those guys. God doesn't look at the sand at the bottom and says, what a pile of sand. He looks at the sand at the top, and I, I hope they see. I hope they know. I hope they feel what I have planned. 
The third thing that I have for you is uh, our expectations should reflect God's strength, not ours. God's strength, not ours. And he says in verse 14, I've already read it to you, but I'll read it again. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Verse 16, he said, But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian, Midian as one man. There's more to our lives than we know. And if we allow God to go with us, if we are constantly coming prepared to worship, if we were there with him, if we were keeping short accounts, we are reading his word and studying what he has to say to us, God is with us. And if we make a mistake, uh, what do we do? We confess it. For he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You know, that's why we have friends, Christian friends. We got out of the habit of going to our Christian friends and saying, you know, I really made a mistake and I need to confess it to you. And that's not so they can go tell everybody or put it up on the Facebook or, or anything like that. It's so that we can get it off our chest and somebody else will pray for us that God's forgiven them. And it's a slam dunk. That's what Christianity is about. Then Gideon of the wine press got a new war strategy. But first he had to test this man of God that came the angel. I just want to tell you how that's going you're going to have to read this in 6 and 7. But what the angel did is said, you're going to go defeat them as one man. And, and Gideon said, well, just wait here while I go get my offering. And Gideon went and somehow he got a goat and prepared the goat. And he made a, a pot of broth and he brought the goat meat and the pot of broth back. And the angel touched it with a staff and fire consumed it. And then the angel said, you know, you're going to take these men and, and go down and you're going to do all this work. And, and Gideon said, well, just one more thing. Um, don't take me as being presumptuous, but can I just get another sign? Suppose I lay a piece of fleece of lamb's wool on the threshing floor. And in the morning, that fleece is really wet, but the rest of the threshing floor is dry. And the angel said, okay. And he did, and the next morning got up and rang out, wrung out the fleece. It was full of water, but the rest of the floor was dry. And then Gideon, be a man full of hope, said, well, could I have just one more sign? Uh, and maybe in the morning the fleece will be dry and the threshing floor will be wet. And of course, if you read that passage, you'll find out that the fleece was dry and the threshing floor had dew all over it. And then the Lord told him what I want you to do. I want you to, but first, he says, a call goes out to all the men in Manasseh and all the surrounding tribes around him. And 22,000 show up to help Gideon defeat the Midianites. And God looks at that great crowd and said, wow, too many. Um, just tell everybody that doesn't want to be here if they're afraid and their knees are shaking, to go home. And suddenly, 12,000 men got up and went home. And there were 10,000 left. And God looked at them and said, wow, too many. 
And then he said, take them down to the pond or the river, maybe. I, I'm not sure what it was, but take them down there and let them drink. And I will sort them out for you. And this is really kind of funny because he says, let them lap. And then he says, whoever lapped out of his hand, those are the ones you, you keep. So 9,700 guys, according to what the text says, and I've read it several times in several different languages, he said, oops, send them home. He's in. And when it was over with, and don't film that or quote me on that, but when it was over with, there were 300 guys left. And the angel said, now we're going to do this. You're going to give every man a clay pot, every man a, a trumpet, every man a, a torch to light the night. And you think Gideon was just ready. Go, I mean, let's go do this. Oh, but can I have one more sign? And God was already ready for him. He said, if you need another sign, take your servant Pua, go down to the camp the, at the edge of the great big camp that the Midianites have, and you will hear, and you will be confident that tomorrow is your victory. So he went down with Pua, and he heard these two guys saying, and one guy said, I had a dream that there was a loaf of bread that came in the camp, and all the tents were flattened. Everybody was left and gone. And his, the other guy he was talking to said, that's just the story of Gideon and his sword that's going to come against us. For God has given us to the Israelites. So that was the final straw. And Gideon was very encouraged by that. He went back, got his guys, told them what they were going to do. This section is going to go this way. This section is going to go this way. This section goes this way. Do what I do, what you see me do, and we'll see what happens. So they all kind of... 300 of them kind of encircled the camp as much as they could. When Gideon broke his jug and his flaming torch, I believe, was hiding in the jug so they could sneak up, his torch came, the noise of the jug breaking and the blowing of the trumpet, 300. And suddenly, Midian got up and started fighting each other and started heading for the hills. And God had a great victory that day. 120,000 swordsmen were killed. The kings were captured. Oreb and Zeb and Salmuna and that other guy. It was a great victory. But the point I'm making is that Gideon had such low expectations. And God had such a high plan. We have low expectations sometimes. And that's, sometimes we'll just get low. That's why we have brothers and sisters. You know, they call us and they say something nice like, get up! And you get up. And you thank them. And you have a friend who leads you and helps you walks with you, cherishes who you are. The fourth point I wanted to make here, and I have it here someplace, our expectations should always reflect God's strength and not our strength. Our strength plus God's strength equals God's strength. 
because most of the time we don't add a lot to it. So that's kind of a hurried up exposition of Judges 6 and 7 and possibly part of 8, but I just want to say, I want you to sense your hope. I want you to sense that God has a desire for you to do better, to be more, and to do the things that he wants you to do. And I have a sense that it, we don't always know what that looks like, but he does because he controls here, not here. He controls this too. But he controls right here and right here. He does not want us living back here. And I try to find the gospel in this story. And let me just read you what I got. In the first part of the story, Gideon tore down the, the, the big thing they had, the altar to Baal and the Asherah pole that they had, and burned it. In Christ's life, he destroyed all the idols. He didn't tear anything down, except he conquered those that were behind the idols, and, and he's got everyone to submit to him. Death, hell, those that's Christ did that. I see Christ uh, never, you know, like Gideon, give me another sign, or, or give me, you know, can I borrow your credit card or something like that. No, Christ never said that. What Christ said was, I have come to do the Father's will. What was the Father's will? He came to save you and me so we could be a part of his family forever. Gideon had a great victory. And while we didn't see all of what happened on the cross, Christ had the greatest victory. I'm in awe of him. And because of that, we now can walk humbly with him because he is our Savior. And we just sang that song, didn't we? Nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sins? Not one thing could until Christ Jesus fought the battle on the cross for me. Gideon had to change his behavior and start listening to the voice of God. And many of us need to do that too. And I'm not being accusatory. I just know we're human. Christ never had to change his behavior. I've come to do the Father's will. I pray that each one of us can do the same thing. When With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God can make us the sanctuary he wants us to be. God can... Help us to be the wife or the husband or the father or the mom. God can help us to be the kids that he wants us to be. God wants so much more for us than we want for ourselves.
So let's set our expectations high. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning for this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful group of people. They allow Anita and me to come here and be with them and serve with them. Lord, they worship you in spirit and in truth. They, they sing songs of praise and worship, and they do it so well. Lord, they have a legacy. And that legacy, Lord, they don't want to live in that legacy. They want to live at the top of the hourglass, Lord. They want to be able to see that every grain of sand that falls through the now has your hand on it, has your imprint on it. And we want to see that one day we'll all stand before you together. And our hope will be totally fulfilled. We praise you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' holy name, amen.